Welcome to Your Property Matters, the only podcast dedicated to keeping you, the Washington State property owner or business property developer and real estate professional, up to date on the challenges the real estate industry is facing in Washington State. Here's your host, Peter Lukovich, Director of Operations for the Washington Business Properties Association. Hello, and it's great to have you back with us on Your Property Matters. This week, I'm joined by Senator John Braun, the Senate Republican leader, representing the 20th District, including parts of Thurston, Collitz, and Lewis and Clark Counties. Senator Braun was first elected to the Senate in 2012, and in addition to leading the Republican caucus in the Senate, he sits on the Senate Ways and Means Committee and the Labor and Tribal Affairs Committee. In addition to his legislative duties and his leadership duties, Senator Braun also is the president of Braun Northwest, a family-owned business since 1986 that specializes in building emergency vehicles. He and his family reside in rural Lewis County outside of Centralia. We're excited that Senator Braun could find time in his incredibly busy schedule today to join us and take a look back at what happened in Olympia between January 6th and March 10th. Senator Braun, welcome to Your Property Matters. Well, thanks very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. I look forward to talking about the things that happened during the session and then what we can do across Washington to to improve our path uh, when it comes to property matters and all matters uh, across the state of Washington in the future. So, as we kind of settle into our seats for a bit, how would you sum up the last legislative session from both a a policy and a political point of view? Well, uh, from a policy perspective, I, I often use the describe it as, as missed opportunities and misplaced priorities. And there's, of course, a bunch of detail we could go into on all those. But when it comes to uh, missed opportunities, you know, with a $15 billion budget, we missed a huge opportunity to provide the people of Washington a meaningful tax relief that would help them afford to live here in Washington, which, as you know, is getting more and more expensive. And then I think we missed a generational opportunity uh, to change how we fund transportation and fund transportation in a way that doesn't add new taxes but but actually invests more money in a modern transportation system. And then when it comes to misplaced priorities, uh, we were focused on what I think most folks are focused on, public safety, keeping their communities and their families safe, on affordability, and on education, you know, dealing with the challenges we've had over the last two years uh, on our children in, edu- in public education. Uh, and in place of that, we got, I'd say, maybe just no priorities from the current majorities. They were just sort of adrift and weren't really focused on the things that matter most to the people of the state of Washington. So that's how I would, I would characterize it from a policy standpoint. Politically, uh, I don't want any harm to come to our state. I want the best policy, whoever's in charge. Uh, but the reality is we didn't get that, and that has given us an opportunity politically to change the future in the state of Washington. The, uh, the Democratic majorities have veered further and further to the left and really left the middle wide open. And as Republicans, I think we'd be wise to embrace the, the middle. I think it's the path back into, back into a Republican majority and back into a little more sanity in the state of Washington. Well, we're going to follow up on that in, in just a couple of minutes as we complete our our chat together today but you know our listeners um, are keenly interested in learning how the state either dealt with or is going to deal with the housing crisis and I think both parties can agree that there is a housing shortage in the state of Washington. Did we make progress increasing affordable housing uh, inventory? I don't think we made progress that's going to make a lot of difference And, and what I mean by that is is we, um, in terms of investment, state investment, there's a significant investment in affordable housing, 
and I don't necessarily argue with that. What I argue with is that doesn't solve the problem. You know, we're 250,000 homes short of where we need to be in the state of Washington, and that's not just in urban areas, it's in rural areas, it's across our state. Just use some simple math, and we put $800 million into affordable housing, roughly, and at the current prices, that builds 2,000 houses. Well, wow. if you build an extra 2,000 houses, uh, and assuming you can get it done in a year, uh, that still takes you 125 years to catch up with the current deficit. We can't do it as a state. We have to engage the private sector and empower them to build uh, housing at scale if we're ever going to make a dent. And in that area, we, we fall woefully short. I mean, we, we are not only not making it easier, we're making largely we're making it harder. Now there were a couple minor, what I think you know, significant but minor wins on some some legislation proposed and ultimately passed by Senator Shelley Short. Um, but for the most part, uh, what the majority wanted to talk about were things that make building housing more expensive. Speaking of that, I guess what I'm hearing you say there wasn't any legislation introduced to decrease the amount of regulation uh, on no. developing and building housing. It, would that be a fair statement? That would absolutely be a fair statement. Not even close. I mean, they, they're, the best they can hope for is they don't make it too much worse. They're not in, there's been no interest at all in making things easier, and that's, that's disappointing. I, I keep telling folks, and whether it's housing or the other things that are expensive in the state of Washington, we ought to be lo looking at every bill through the lens of affordability. Is what we're doing making this more or less affordable to build housing? And, and I can tell you, if you do that, uh, the bills that the current majority is proposing, none of them pass that test. Nothing well, they want to do is making it less expensive to build. Senator, um, you mentioned the fact that there was a lot of money put up with respect to trying to increase housing. If the Republicans controlled the Senate, what methods might you employ in trying to make more affordable housing available for more people in the state of Washington? I think it's kind of an all-of-the-above strategy. We we, okay. we, we got to look at all the ways we can increase housing, and that does include some, you know, you know, publicly funded affordable housing, but it also includes providing better regulation. For example, two years ago, Senator Mike Padden uh, proposed and ultimately passed a bill that made it a little bit easier and, and safer from a legal standpoint to build condominiums. We need to continue that, that down that path uh, and make condominiums a viable economic uh, path without a whole bunch of legal risk for developers. We need to help single-family home developers build at scale uh, without more cost, like this year they want to they want to insist that we we don't uh, that we wire it for solar and you know, we don't allow natural gas. These are all things that make it more expensive to build and and own a home. Let's not do that. Let's like, like, let's step back from that. Let's look at how we build multifamily housing more efficiently and more effectively. So it, from top to bottom, whether you're renting or owning, we should look at all the different ways people in our state could find lodging. And, and, and make it easier. So I know that's kind of a bit of a general statement, but mm -hmm. it's not. There's not one. There's not one solution that magically makes it fits. We got to stop doing ourselves harm, and then we got to start looking. Okay, in this area, how can we make it easier? And I think the condominium one is a great example, but it's just one example of, of many ways where we can start to to pull back some of the additional costs, whether it's regulatory cost or legal cost. In some case, you know, land development cost and just availability of land to build on. There seems to be at least a, a portion of the legislature that is interested in increasing affordable housing by using rent control as one method 
of increasing the amount of units or affordability of housing. I assume the Republican caucus is not a fan of rent control? That is absolutely a safe assumption. Yeah, we are <laughs> not a fan. I, I think that's a, that's a terrible policy. What that will guarantee is that we virtually grind any new development of housing, what little we have right now, to a complete halt. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reality is if you're developing housing, it costs money. You don't do that unless there's opportunity to have some sort of payback on that investment. And we're not talking about unreasonable payback. We're just talking about a return on investment. And it should be no different if you're in the housing business than any other business. Uh, But if you put in rent control... Uh, all that that all goes out the window. Now you're you're basically inhibiting the market in ways that will ultimately lead to businesses, developers building less. And when we know it's it couldn't be plainer in our environment right now. When you build less, you have scarcity. When you have scarcity, the prices go up. And we're seeing that, you know, from Seattle to where I live down in Centralia, Chehalis, the prices are going up by 100 percent, 150 percent over just in the last year. It's really tough right now to find housing. So it's just not in Seattle and the urban cities of the state. Absolutely not. And and, and so anybody says thinks that hey, there now the prices are certainly different. I mean, you know, yeah. what it costs to buy a you know three bedroom home in Seattle is more than what it costs in my neighborhood. But what I can tell you is, compared to the average wage, compared to the historical price on those things, uh, the, the the increase in price has made them equally unaffordable based on the average wage in those communities. Well, you you alluded to it when you um, mentioned Senator Patton's name and the uh, condominium uh, situation. As I'm sure you know, and and others in your caucus, many developers are not even willing to bring to market condominiums any longer because that development liability issue basically lasts a lifetime. It never goes away. And so a property that you might have built 20 years ago uh, can still rope a, a developer back into court and litigation over some defect. I hope, or I think I heard you say that there's still work to be done there and that your caucus would be interested in continuing that uh, in the future. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We, we had a, a, what I'd say is a win, but really a small win mm-hmm. with the legislation that Senator Patton did a couple years ago. There's a lot more to do there, especially in our environment where everything has gotten so expensive. The development of condominiums is an important opportunity. You know, I think about my wife and I have four children, and, and none, none of them live in this. Well, I should say one is in college here in the state, but the other three don't live in the state. We hope they come back to Washington someday. Uh, but when they come back, they're going to want the opportunity to buy a home of some sort, and, and condominiums offer a great a great alternative for, for young people, you know, either in or moving into our state to invest in their future. And maybe they can, you know, ramp up over time into a single-family home. But to, today, single-family homes are just out of, out of the market for most folks early in their career. And condominiums simply aren't being developed. I think if we can make it better, safer, more reasonable for developers, they will, they will build these things. And, and as they say, they will come and buy them. And I think they'll have a chance to build equity over time, and I think that, that's been well established. That's good for communities, it's good for people, it's good for families. The condo does seem like a good entry point property for a, for a new family or for a single person to kind of start getting their feet into the real estate market and having an opportunity to realize that American dream. And the WBPA, of course, uh, stands for that proposition that everyone should have a chance, a chance to own a home in the state of Washington. I know that housing was a big issue in 2022, but we also hope that after living through a gubernatorial imposed moratorium life of almost three years or going on three years that there's some light at the end of the tunnel concerning how and 
for how long the governor might be able to do that in the future. Your thoughts on his use of the moratorium and how that might get uh, changed in the future? Yeah, so I, th- I think he was absolutely wrong in the way he used the moratorium. And I, I did agree with a few things he did early in the pandemic. This isn't one of them. I don't think this was solving a real problem. I could see how you, you know, early on we might have thought it was a, a problem, but the, the fact is that most folks uh, could continue to work either in person or remotely, and there was sufficient assistance for folks who couldn't. And what we saw is people abused this moratorium in ways that, that again, it made it less likely. It made it so, you know, current uh, landlords would are, are more likely to sell their properties, to leave the state, to, to get out of the market and leave less, you know, fewer housing options. So it was bad for the market and it really didn't fix the problem, you know, that we anticipated there would be. So I think it was a bad idea then. I think it's a bad idea now. I would like to see us, and I think you'll, you'll, this is exactly what you'll see uh, if Republicans are back in, in, a, in a majority in the near future, is work on uh, on statutes, in particular emergency power statute, to give the legislature more of a voice and to make it to protect the entrance of of landlords. And I don't think you have to do that at the cost of tenants. I don't, I don't think it's a one or the other type right, of deal. I think right. it's actually good for both because what's best for, for tenants is that there is a, a bountiful supply of places to go and rent. And you get that by, by convincing landlords to invest and build those. So I think long term, it's actually better policy for everybody. Uh, you can expect Republicans to work on that. Again, it, it fits into what I said earlier, uh, all of the above. Uh, we're looking for housing options uh, across the board. And to get those, we have to spend the time and, and, and put in place a statutory and regulatory framework that allows folks to build them and operate them successfully. Well, Senator, as a, as a follow-up, our listeners witness those moratoriums cause them to struggle as landlords, as you just mentioned, and and they couldn't pay their mortgages. And tenants now have tens of thousands of dollars in back rent that's owed. The counties are struggling to dispense hundreds of millions of dollars that they receive through the state from, from the federal government. And the moratorium has put landlords in jeopardy, and it's led to some losing their properties, as well as um, just a recent report by King 5 News in the Seattle area alone. In 2021, there was a loss of, I think it's 3,000 plus units representing 11,000 or more living units that that could have been made available. And those properties are gone now. Uh, It it looks like that's not helping and contributing to the continued housing crisis. Yeah, I, I think you, you summed it up uh, pretty well there. I think there is some lack of clarity, I said how I'd say that, where, you know, when did, did we lose the housing entirely or did it go from the rental market to the owned market or did it come off the market altogether? I, I think we're mm-hmm. still struggling to have a clear picture there. But in no case is it a good thing uh, for the people who are looking for place to live, at the, at the very in the very best case, it just made it more complicated. In the worst case, it actually took significant numbers of units just out of the market uh, for for either rental or or purchase. So, right. I, I, again, we just we entered. I mean, we should be clear. We entered the pandemic already in crisis, and when it comes to housing, 
Uh, we were already in pretty bad shape. You know, I talked about being down 250. You know, that didn't just happen in the last two years. That's happened over the last two decades where we really fr candidly haven't done a good job of thinking, you know, across the state, community by community, what kind of housing are we going to need in the future and planning for it and as a result we have this huge shortfall now come a pandemic and we put these huge these kind of draconian restrictions on on what landlords can do and and of course you know the <laughs> they're going to respond to that uh, because they have obligations and you mentioned you know landlords have have mortgages too and they they have to deal with that and and it is entirely rational for them to take actions to try to protect their business interests to try to to keep from uh, losing in some cases what they have worked all their lives to build up so again we we have to stop taking this short term approach and think about what does this do to housing long term not just in the pandemic but long term and stop putting ourselves in a bad position plan for tomorrow instead of just knee jerking to what's up today and we we don't we can do that and take care of people who are legitimately in in difficult situations as a result of the pandemic it wasn't an either or and we kind of made it into an either or in in a in a in just terrible policy well, you painted a brilliant picture about the uh, the small landlord, the mom and pop operator that has, you know, poured their life and soul into that one or two rental properties, and now because of of the situation and the the way policy was implemented, find themselves not being able to continue. And um, you're right, maybe the maybe the picture isn't absolutely spelled out yet. We don't know all the nuances of where the units went, but what we do know is that industry suffered and that people got out of it and now we're having to uh, find ways to replace that housing for tenants that it's no longer available to. So thank you for, for your thoughts on that. And as we kick off the beginning of the campaign season, I, I say kick it off, you're probably being engrossed with it every day, day in and day out. So it's not just starting for you, but uh, as we begin the campaign season, many of our listeners are, are I'm going to say supporters of divided government, Senator, and by that I mean not one single party controlling both branches of government. Now, you probably would like to see more Republicans, I'm sure, but if you were to give us a kind of a peek over the horizon, what do you see about the Republicans and their success or chance of success in regaining the majority in the Senate this time around? I feel pretty optimistic, and I, I tell you, I, I, you know, I, I naturally, I'm, I'm a member of the Republican Party. I'd like mm -hmm. to see more Republican uh, policies enacted. But I too, uh, you know, I think balance is important, and 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 that's exactly what we're fighting for when we're fighting for. A Republican majority in the Senate is a little more balance, uh, a little more focus, just not on ideological issues, but on on practical issues for people around the state. And I think it, it, we, a couple things going for us. One, you know, nationally, uh, the wind is at our backs. Uh, it's been it's been a kind of a tough year and a half at the national level, and that inevitably affects things at the local level. I think that at the local level, at state level, the, the Democratic Party has been pulled further and further to the left, and that leaves the middle wide open for Republicans to embrace, and I think we're, we'd be wise to do so. I think we have uh, listened carefully, and we are talking about and, and are prepared to respond to the issues people care about the most. And I talked earlier about, you know, it's public safety. How do we keep our families and our communities safe? Uh, it's affordability. 
in you know we're at 40 year four decade uh, high inflation nationally and it's even higher in Washington than at the, the, the national level uh, because of policies the Democratic majorities have put in place and education we you know, we had this sort of terrible I think decision to keep our children out of school for extended periods the learning loss that's gone with along with that but even more importantly uh, our failure I think our absolute failure to truly address that learning loss so these are you now these are not all housing issues of course but mm -hmm. these are the issues that you know they, they all tie together and these are the you know the middle uh, kind of bread and butter issues I, I believe people in Washington really care about and and our job as Republicans to go embrace those uh, you know, finding solutions to those issues, and if we do that uh, in a way that's thoughtful and, and, and authentic, I think people will respond. And the last thing I'd say is we've got to have great candidates, and, and I, I think we do. Uh, both our returning incumbents, and we've done a really, we've worked really hard to get great candidates across the state. We're not quite done yet. we got three weeks until filing, but our intention is to have, have a, a pool of candidates that really reflect Washington State are focused on, on kind of bread and butter, good government issues that will make Washington a better place to live for people. And, and if we do that well, I think the people of Washington will put us back in the majority. Well, Senator, I know that all the races are key. Uh, all of them are important. But for our listeners, is there one or two that you have a special interest in or you see a unique opportunity that presents itself to the Republicans to either uh, take a seat or uh, claim one that might be vacant? Naturally, we look at the numbers and we know where right. uh, the opportunity seems to be better than others based on historical data. But broadly, I would say there's been a division over the years where Republicans control most of the rural areas and, and Democrats control most of the urban areas and the suburbs where the where the fight really is. To, to And so it won't be any shock to you that we're focused on places like, like you know, LD-26 in Gig Harbor or LD-30 in Federal Way, LD-47 in Kent. Uh, these are all good races for us to pick up, but also, you know, to swing around in the northern part of the Sound, LD, LD 21 up in Edmonds and Muckleteo, oh. LD 38 in Everett and Marysville, LD 44 in Lake Stevens, LD 45, Woodenville, Redmond, Kirkland areas. All areas where I think, again, if we focus on the things that are most important to the people of the state of Washington, if we, if we, if we really try to uh, and, and stay away from the ideological issues. Focus on the issues that are most important and we get good candidates and I can tell you we're, I, we're not quite done but we, I think we have some great candidates actually not just good uh, we, we're, and people are going to look at the other side of the ballot and, and they're going to say hey this person looks like they care about the right issues they seem to be very well qualified uh, I trust them to do good work for my, for my family I'm going to vote for them that's what we want we want to we win their confidence and, and we're focused every day on doing that. I can't tell you for sure if a red wave comes all the way to the state of Washington. I got no way of knowing that. I can't control it. What I can control is making sure we have great candidates. Those candidates are well funded and they're running the great campaigns and they have and so if it does come, voters have a real choice and hopefully they take it. Well, it sounds like you've got a, a great outline for success, and I hear a smile in your voice as you talk about the, the possibility and the work necessary to bring a Republican majority back to the Senate. Let's just speculate, and you kind of alluded to it a few minutes ago, but speculate with me if you would. Assuming that Senate majority says Republican after it, 
uh, after the elections are over. What would be one or two pieces of legislation that you would think might be prominent in the Senate's agenda as it's controlled by Republicans for the people of, of Washington? Well, you're asking a, you know, a guy that spent a lot of time uh, working on the budget in his career. So I think always the most important bill is the budget. And I think in that regard, you'll see one that, that's, that's, that it's thoughtful, it's sound, it's sustainable, and it doesn't take and waste uh, any more money. Uh, it doesn't, actually, hopefully don't waste, doesn't waste any, but doesn't waste the money of the people of the state of Washington. It really delivers the services they need, and if it doesn't need the money, it sends them back to, to, to the people in the form of meaningful tax relief. So I always start with that because I, I think it's the most important thing we do. But beyond that, there's some really important things we need to do to, to fix some of the anti-police bills that were passed last year. We, we got a little ways that this year, even in the minority, but there's more work to do there uh, and really turn around this surge in crime across our state. I, I think the um, uh, there's some, some work to do in education uh, to make sure that we're really focused on, on regaining what we've lost over the last two years, that we're focused on in, involving parents to the maximum extent possible, and, and, and kind of get back to our knitting when it comes to providing education, really preparing our, our children for a successful future. Those are a few of the things, but uh, there's lots of things. Like transportation, you know, I think that there's an opportunity for us to rethink, you know, how we, you know, we're very supportive of transportation, but but disagree with how it was funded and think that we missed a great opportunity. I, I hope that we're we're focused on on doing that better in the future. And then, you know, and I could go on, but those are that's a highlight of things that come immediately to mind that we ought to be working on right away. Uh, one thing that I I will say is is we're working even today when we don't know how the election is going to come out. We're working even today to to build that list to really think through it, not just knee jerk and and do the same old things we have done, but really think, stay focused on what's most important to the people of the state of Washington and come ready to govern in an effective and, and, and way that, that people will appreciate and support long term. Well, thank you, Senator. And, and, you know, we began our conversation about housing, affordable housing and, and housing availability. And you've taken that and given us even a more broad exposure to some of the some of the things that we would that we would see in a um, Senate that's controlled by a Republican majority, but uh, also assured us that uh, it's not going to just start in November when we start thinking about those things. You've already got your caucus going to work and, and thinking through those those requirements uh, today. And, uh, you know, the election will will be what it will be. And it sounds like the Republicans are prepared to work very hard. As we wrap it up with Senator Braun, I'd like to give him a big thank you for taking the time to share his insights and observations about the last legislative session. It seems pretty clear to all of us and the members of the WBPA and the real estate industry professionals across the state that we must continue to remain vigilant to prevent any more attacks on property rights. The battle will continue. On behalf of everyone that makes this podcast possible, stay safe and may you and your property realize their full potential. You've been listening to Your Property Matters, a podcast presented by the Washington Business Properties Association, designed for you, the real estate owner and industry professional. Listen to our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about our organization or to become a member of the WBPA, visit our website at wapropertyrights.org. Thanks for listening.